Welcome to episode 479 of the Overlook Hour. I'm your host, Clark Little. Along with me, as always, is the man sitting across the table from me. That's right. The tables have turned. The clouds have become even more strong, blocking the rays of the sun, causing a change in temperature. Therefore, causing a change in wardrobe. Per ju- blah, 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 blah. Almost had You're it. You're doing so good. To Russell John, the fisherman. <laughs> it is very cold. I've been matching in plaid. Black and red. It's my new thing. You like a plaid. Uh, do you feel more I, cozy <laughs> with the plaid? Is that it? I think the pattern is warmer than other patterns. The, the pattern and also, yeah. you know, it, it also is, uh, would you know, associated with flannel, which is a warmer material. Makes me feel like a lumberjack. You know? Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. California lumberjack. That's right. <laughs> you go cut down a tree in 75 degree weather. CLJ, dude. Although it's been fucking cold here. You know, it's uh, it's getting a little chilly. I'm okay with that, but I need to, uh, I need to re up my uh, hooded sweatshirt game. You know, don't you have one on? Yeah, but this is a polyester. Oh, it's a fake. It's a shirt. A fake. It's a fake. It is not a fake. <laughs> what is, it is for you know. It's got a hood, but I feel like you wouldn't want to wear that in the rain. Spring and summer, and you know, early know. stages of fall. It's for robbing convenience stores. <laughs> well, whatever you like. It's tough out here. Also joining us from Atlanta, Georgia. It's been a while. He's back, but he's got the. He came at a price. It's Randy Michaelstadt. Hell yeah, I am back, but with less energy because I finally got the novel <laughs> coronavirus nineteen in the Hit year twenty twenty three. Hit the stinger. <laughs> well, Randy's got COVID. <laughs> First time, baby. Congratulations, 18 years into the uh, introduction of coronavirus 19. Uh, Randy, yeah. it's, uh, we're happy to have you on board. Yeah, what'd you do differently that got you uh, ill? Uh, I don't know. I just, maybe from traveling, there was a, you know, I feel like kids carry a lot of germs. I was around a lot of kids <laughs> at my parents' house. Yep. And then there was a lady on the plane home uh, from San Francisco to Atlanta that had kind of a gnarly cough that was sitting right next to me she was wearing a surgical mask but maybe like 70 percent of the time and even those i hear aren't really (laughs) supposed to be that good unless you're wearing like a n95 so why Um, did y'all make out so i'm guessing i may have got it she was sitting right next to me so you know takes the mask off when you get a you know free uh snacks and drinks and stuff and i'm thinking it may have been from her but we'll see i i mean i there's no way to know but yeah What a story. I know. Can you yeah, taste shit? Fun. I can. I can taste and I can smell and I can breathe pretty well. I'm just like very tired. Can you come? And, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, my throat hurts a little bit, but I don't feel terrible besides being relatively tired. And then I have a bit of a fever that oh, goes away and reappears. And I'll be like really hot for, you know, a couple hours and I'll get like freezing for a couple hours. and. You got counterfeit COVID. You don't have COVID unless you lose taste. Do you have cowbell? Or smell. I haven't yet. Maybe it's coming. I don't know. It's only been a couple of days. Yeah. That was the um, scariest thing for me when I lost taste and immediately didn't care about eating anymore, which I think kind of bummed me out. Yeah. I'm like, that's all I want from it. <laughs> like yeah. not the nutrients or the life-giving 
magic. It's like, no, the flavor. The taste. And then I just tried to eat. I tried to taste anything. So I just dumped hot sauce and well, everything. We we are Jeez. all just residents in Flavortown. I know. And we respect our oh, mayor, yeah. Guy Fieri. All right. Uh, we're Randy. Glad you're back. Unfortunately, Oksana Valerian of Osachi is not here. So we almost had the whole band back together. Yeah, maybe next week. But not quite. But uh, she's out there, you know, doing doing things. Yeah. So uh, let's address last week's episode. Last week's episode, we talked to uh, Richard and Anastasia Elfman. Uh, for everyone that listened to that episode, uh, thank you, and I apologize. For everyone who has not listened to that episode, thank you, and congratulations on your victory for not listening to that episode. Uh, look, here's the thing. You know, in life, you're going to take some hits, you're going to take some wins, and then sometimes you're going to stare at a man whose toothy grin is scaring you for 45 minutes. <laughs> Yeah, it wasn't the most fun interview for me and Clark, but I don't think it affected anybody else. I think only me and you felt that way because we came in incredibly excited to talk we had a plan. about everything. And then, you know, y'all listen to the show and then we'll, we'll get to the thing they're here to promote. But immediately up top, we just knew he was not here to talk about anything or to get off the road. And we were just like, oh, okay. And, uh, I caved like a little baby bitch. Yeah. We both. Instead of fighting like a man. Like the next day, we're like, you know, next time that happens, we're just, I'm not going to do it. And I'm glad that you came to that on your own. Because I was thinking like, man, I wanted to talk about modern vampires. No. I should have just brought it up. For and sure. like, hold on. You know, I did it to Jackie Kong on stage. I had no problem <laughs> there. I had no problem telling her, no, I'm going to continue my thought about the remake of Halloween. Where honestly, I was probably in the wrong. Like, that was kind of like, that was a weird move to yeah. double down on. Well, I think that's why we're a good pair. But, so, but, you know, we're, we're best when we find our middle ground. God, but then, you know, it's we're talking about his movie. He directed it. It's not like it was a weird thing to bring up. Or like, hey, remember the girlfriend you dated? And then it went yeah. wrong. And TMZ, it wasn't like that. It was like, hey, that movie that you made, we liked. And I'm like, I don't know. What a bummer. I had it right next to me. I was ready. And I was even talking a little shit. I heard a little rumor that he didn't like a movie that I really liked. No. Which is a faux reality TV show. And I was like, you know what? I got that right next to me too. I'm just going to fucking. And then nope. It, within 10 seconds, I'm like, all right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I guess I just resigned to that fact early on. I was like, As, if this is what you're going to give me, I guess I'm just going to take it. <laughs> I, that honestly, that is just I resigned. That's to that your fact. dating life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I, as I pull my pants down and bend over, you're like, "Oh, I'm disappointed. I guess I'll just play along." Yeah. 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 It's a bummer. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. We all got to get our nut one way or another. Mm -hmm. We'll see you next week. All right. Uh, anything else up top? Yeah. I um. I got to mention another hole in the head is still running. I went out last night and uh, we were partying at the Four Star. Doug flew out. If you listen to that interview, it was me and Terrell hanging out with uh, Doug Ruse. Uh, incredibly cool dude. He, um, on the, in the interview, I did ask him about like when a director gets meticulous and went again in the projection booth. And I, I told him I love it. And he said, cool, because that's me. We got there. I don't know who was manning the projector. Uh, it was a, a child. I'm guessing they were young. They looked very young. And, um, I was fortunate enough to have the interaction 
where I, I flagged down George. I said, hey, George, let's get Doug in the booth. He wants to fuck around with the projector. And he went, oh, okay. Grabbed the projectionist. That dude gave him a fucking mile-long stare. And he went, yeah, he could go up there. I don't know what we're going to do up there. And I was like, that's a weird way to phrase that. But Doug went up there, came back down, looked completely defeated, mm. and said, he doesn't know, like, I couldn't do anything. And he's like, I'll tell you right now, it's too dark. <laughs> I was like, Doug, dude, your movie's dark already, and nobody's going to know. And I'm like, dude, I promise you, you're the only dude in this theater who will know that it is, like, a couple two shades too dark. And um, that was the case. On top of that, they actually had a blown out speaker. Four star. I love you. I talk about you all the fucking time on the show. What the hell? We had Doug come out from Japan and it was the 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 one-two combo of the uh, dim projector and the blown out front right speaker. Mm. And the speaker was doing this. And it's like a lot of money in there. It's like, is that a metronome? What is happening? It and it had a little bit of reverb. It felt a little gritty. It it sounded like something David Lynch might have opted into a movie on purpose. Mm. So it didn't feel wrong, which I think might even be worse because everybody in the crowd thought it belonged in the movie. Well, yeah, and as the filmmaker, I'm sure that wasn't a very welcome situation. Honestly, I don't even think Doug really noticed. He was just kind of like, I because I brought it up after. And he was like, yeah, I know. But he was really bummed out about the darkness. And he Aren't was, we all? <laughs> the thing is, you know, he did a very intricate practical effect creature. Like it's fully, he was wearing his The Thing shirt. He was living it up. And he's like, you know, it's one of those things where if it's too bright, you see shit you're not supposed to. If it's too dark, you don't see everything you're supposed to. That's and I'm a like, therapist. Eh? Well, and I was like, well, isn't the darker version the better one? Oh. <laughs> like, what if it was too bright in there? And then we Set saw the everything. left shoulder. Yeah, I was trying. Shoulder, God. It's fine. I, I uh, applaud you for trying, Thank you. which is what I told Doug. It's cool, dude. I mean, we wish it was a little bit brighter. But he was great. Actually, an actor came out. Um, Connor flew out from New York. He is the white guy that is a little bit jarring in the beginning of the movie. And you're like, oh, he's the protagonist. And then, uh, spoiler alert, Connor fucking dies. Good movie. Um, and a shout out to our close friend and Bay Area critic, David Robson, who is the first person on Letterboxd to review it and gave it a grand two stars. God. David, you motherfucker. <laughs> Thanks, dude. Uh, but no, it was fun. Uh, it was fun working with George, too. Normally, it's the unnamed footage fest. And it's our baby where this time I felt like a hired gun. So I felt like I didn't really know what I was doing, but I also felt like I could have done anything and George would have been cool. Yeah. And it, it went well. Um, Sweet relief did play a little late and I know most of you still haven't seen it again. Reach out to Nick. He'll, he'll let you watch it. Uh, there is a little bit of, there's an element of slow cinema in there, which I uh, did not tell Terrell who was co-hosting the event with me and had not seen the film prior to the late, uh, to the late runtime. And uh, dude, that crowd, y'all are fucking troopers. If any of you are listening, uh, pat yourself on the back because they hung in there and then they stayed for a Q&A after. Also, Lucy, one of the actors came out. She lives in the Bay Area. Fantastic. I mean, it was it was a fun event, but fucking four-star, dude. That yeah, speaker. That's, that's surprising. Also, me and Terrell were hosting. We had two mics and Terrell didn't turn his mic off. So for the beginning of Bakimono, I was like, dude, is, is that feedback from your mic? And he was like, 
I don't know. And I was like, did you turn it off? And he's like, no, I don't, I didn't know how. And I'm like, that's my bad. I should have told you. So then we had a conversation of like, fuck, we were all the way against the wall and there was one person sitting right in the way of the aisle. So I'd already gone up and down by him four times. And I'm like, fuck. So I did it one more time. And then uh, right before the movie, I turned off the mic. It wasn't that. But right before the movie ended, I was like, we should get up and go get ready. We got up. I walked by him. This, again, seventh time I passed by him. So I didn't even think about it, that he had a large bag in front of him on the floor. Well, uh, Terrell uh, did not see that bag, tripped over it, and it spilled all over into the aisle. (laughs) I felt so bad for both of them. It was brutal. Um, But yeah, shout out to another hole in the head. And uh, they still have the Friday the 13th play going on. I think it runs from what this will air Tuesday. It will, it runs from Wednesday to Sunday and that's it. Um, if you do go to that, remember wear a white shirt cause they're going to get you bloody. Uh, anything else? I think that's everything up top. Um, keep your ear to the ground uh, regarding maybe holiday stuff and uh, uff E uh, there might be something in the works, but I think that's it. So if you're all ready, we could uh, bring in the D man. Who definitely did not design the sound for both movies. And I should say in sweet relief, nobody noticed it either. No. They, they're, actually, um, Sam, shout out to him, came out. And after he was like, yeah, I thought it was weird. It was like they both had a similar sound design. With the, t- 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 It worked in both movies, Sam, though. That sucks. <laughs> that sucks. It could have been worse. What's That's there, what I was telling myself. problem over there, dude? Speaker blown out. That's yeah. it. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I mean, you're hosting a film festival. Get that shit taken care of. Yeah, that's my initial thought too. But then it's like, what happened if it if it happened earlier today? Like, there's nothing. Well, it sounds like they they got some, you know, Bieber tween up there that doesn't know what they're doing. (laughs) I don't know about that. That dude just seemed like I was getting a very similar vibe (laughs) at the Little Roxy when we were out there Thursday for the Warp Dimension. Uh Totally forgot about that. Also, Terrell and Benji hosted a movie at the Little Roxy. Terrell showed up as a Frankie Krueger because he he bought a very cheap costume off Amazon. That thing's horrible. Dude, it was... Terrell, it was make an so, effort. Dude, well, he has better things. I know. But, but I told him... That looked be, like a pizza pocket. I know. I said, well, do you want to be funny or do you want to look okay? And I was like, if you're going to entertain, I think the dumber way is the more entertaining. So he did it. And then Benji sat him down in a chair and proceeded to launch questions at him. It was incredibly... Um, uh, goofy, as Benji looked like a a short pudgy. Uh, who's the guy that you loved for a long time on Shutter? Joe Bob Briggs. <laughs> he looked, dude. He dressed like him on purpose. Was Joe like, Bob is an instant. Oh my gosh, he was doing an accent. Oh, I I can't wait to show you that video. Yeah. All right, but that's it. I promise this time. All right. Well, uh, let's bring in the aforementioned right. D Man. All right, let's do it. Good evening. It's December 10th, 2023, and it's a Sunday, day two of Weekend Projects, and the fun work train is rolling today. I'll start my journey of exploring the library of Tubi, as I am currently locked out of the family Netflix account, and today, in one of the theater cars, I'll be watching David Lean's film, Lawrence of Arabia. Based on the life of T.E. Lawrence and starring Peter O'Toole, the film won the Academy Award for Best Picture in 1963. Everyone, have a great day. All right, David. Um, have fun in Tubi land. 
I don't know why it won't let me rejoin Zencaster, but it won't let me rejoin. <laughs> don't worry, you didn't miss anything. Um, that Netflix shit is kind of rough, though. Uh, Oksana got a notification that we currently are paying for two accounts, and one of them isn't working. They're like, one of them has been inoperable. Sick. And she was like, we're paying for two? Dude, it was like fucking $30 a month. Yeah. Or t- yeah, it's like, what the f- fuck, Netflix? I don't know. Wait, Netflix? Yeah. I thought you were talking about Zencaster. No, confused. what the hell? <laughs> no, we're on a trial mode right now while Randy took his PTO. All right, Randy Michael over there yeah. in a third location for recording in the home where uh, we're in the living room area on the back wall with the couch where Randy says he's been camping out for uh past few days with coronavirus 19. So we check in with Randy Michaelstad to see what motion pictures he has been watching while infected with the virus known as corona. Yeah, I've been uh, watching a few things. One I think you'll talk about later. And, uh, you know, I watched a, a bunch of things that came out this year that uh, I'd missed, but uh, nothing that incredibly stood out. So what I will talk about. Randy, real quick, are, are you telling me that you've been prepping for the 2024 version of the Lucky Awards? I guess you could say that, yes. Hey, now. Russell, how are you doing in your pursuit? For I haven't thought about it at all. In fact, when people ask me about it, I pretend like I've never heard of it. <laughs> <laughs> That's, I also accept that response. But, all right, uh, we'll see you next week. If we want to go th- through some of those, I watched uh, The Royal Hotel, which is okay. I don't know I what watched, that is. Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret, which, oh, although heard. being a YA novel yeah. uh, adaptation, is actually pretty decent. All right. Randy likes then, young adult uh, material. Okay, no surprise really? there. That read to me like people who want to be serious but watch a movie. They're like, oh, this is a film. I remember that, that book. Really? Yeah, because I was a young girl at one point. <laughs> it's got a good Benny Safdie performance and a good uh, Rachel McAdams performance. So uh, it's, it's, uh, it's decent. Okay. Randy's but a mean girl. Besides that, uh, Mean Girls is great. Yeah, I saw the musical live in New York City, too. So... Big, big Mean Girls fan. But uh, we got a retread coming up here, so <laughs> you got to hit the, hit the stinger. Oh, no. It's Clark Retro. The one Hell stinger yeah. we use more than any is the one that everybody complains to me about. <laughs> They're just like, you know, like Robbie. He, I think he put it out there, and then everybody started realizing how when they're driving a car, that will always play. <laughs> yeah, well, sucks to be you, dude. It's kind of like break a leg before you go on stage. It's it's an omen of good. That's right. And that's <laughs> all we are here on the Overlook Hour. <laughs> Randy, in fact, can you put that on the uh, episode description on iTunes? An omen of good? An omen of good, the Overlook Hour. That's the uh, the tagline for the podcast now. Uh, merch coming soon. So, yeah, I watched a movie that Clark uh, watched maybe, I don't know, six, seven months ago. <laughs> wow. And recommended to me, said that I would probably like it, and I never watched it until this past <laughs> couple of days. But uh, it's called The Civil Dead, directed by Clay Tatum, featuring Clay Tatum and Whitmer Thomas as essentially the two sort of main characters. Uh, but essentially, the character that Clay Tatum plays, he plays Clay, and Whitmer plays Wit in the movie. So they essentially play themselves uh, their own names. 
What if they played each other? That'd be great. <laughs> Uh, essentially, yeah, Clay uh, is sort of just this sort of like weirdo, like LA photographer, sort of a slacker uh, kind of oh, guy. Great. And his uh, wife or his girlfriend like leaves town for a couple of days and he moves his couch into the living room because that's where the TV is. And he just wants to like drink beer and hang out and uh, kind of not, you know, he's not, he's kind of a slacker. He's kind of a, just a, you know, a homebody. And, um, he eventually ends up going out to shoot uh, some, Heroin. you know, just some things in, yeah, uh, some photographs in the L.A. area. And uh, this guy appears sort of out of nowhere. And he's like, oh, I'm in your shot? And he's like, yeah, you're in my shot. He's like, can you, can you move? Then he, like, goes up to him and he realizes that he notices this guy as somebody that uh, he used to be acquaintances with. I don't know if I would say friends, really, but... Um, someone that he knew a while ago and um, yeah, they get to start talking and stuff and uh, they hang out for a little bit after they meet there and uh, they go back to Clay's place and Clay gets very drunk and Wit stays over uh, on his couch and it seems like that Wit doesn't sleep (laughs) and when Clay wakes up the next morning, they're kind of talking and he's like, I need you to leave. Like I need to like do things. And then Wit says, I think you're the only person that can see me. And he's like, what? He's like, I'm dead. And so, uh, yeah, uh, Whitmer is a, a ghost, apparently, that only Clay can see. And uh, kind of gets into their relationship. Like I said, they kind of knew each other before. And potentially, you know, why he is one of the potentially only person that can see him. And, uh, yeah, it's sort of about their, you know, relationship and their past and how uh, Whit apparently came to LA a little bit after Clay did and they sort of like lost contact uh, or Clay maybe potentially didn't even respond to him when uh, Wit hit him up uh, saying that he was moving to LA. Um, so it kind of explores that relationship and it's uh, it's just a cool, you know, it's a cool LA movie. It feels like it takes place sort of like on the east side somewhere. It's just like got a cool uh, atmosphere and everything and they are really, really great together. Uh, in this movie, it's pretty funny. It's pretty dark and also sort of like heartbreaking at times too. But yeah, overall, I uh, I really dug it and I'm kind of bummed I waited so long after Clark recommended it uh, to watch it. But it's good. Well, well, well. But I'm, I'm just glad that Randy <laughs> admits that I know what I'm doing. We'll see. Hell yeah. Uh, yeah, no, uh, this movie's great. And uh even though it took you a year to watch it, it'll take another 10 years to get Russell to watch it. But uh, <laughs> True. It's a great movie. Um, I thought it was about a war reenactment ghost. I that wish. would definitely be uh, more up your butthole. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> no. I was like, oh, Clark's uh, getting a little patriotic for his state. Yeah. Nothing says Civil <laughs> War reenactment than that haircut. <laughs> that haircut and that jean jacket. Yeah, when, I, when I looked at the when I pulled up the poster and Randy's talking about, it, I'm like, oh, it's probably a different movie than I remember. <laughs> Did we talk about that with another evil or a, what the hell? It's like all those offbeat. Kind I would of, say it's very similar to that. Is yeah. that what it's called? Another evil? Yeah. I always I talk know. about that movie. I should fucking find it on, on Blu-ray. That's a good yeah. movie. So that's great. Hell yeah. Uh, Randy, out of 12 stars, you give it. Uh, let's go 10. 10 out of 12, Russell. Hell yeah. All right. Or four out of five. 
Oh, I've just been updated on math. Very nice. <laughs> All right, Randa, what else? Uh, yeah, it's been several weeks since I've seen this, but it sounds like Clark's seen it now and uh, no one else had talked about it yet. So um, I saw the new Christopher Borgley film, Dream Scenario. Uh, Christopher Borgley, who did Drib, which played at, uh, I don't know, the first year of Of two, footage? I think. Second year? Yeah. Uh, big fan of Drib. Yeah. And then um, Sick of Myself, which also came out this year, um, which was his second or first feature film. I guess I've, I've heard him do an interview and he considers Drib kind of like an experiment and doesn't really consider it as his first feature. Boo. So he considers Sick of Myself his first feature. Uh, like, hey, yeah. bitch, it's all runtime. That's the only thing that matters, dude. Yeah, I know. I was kind of bummed I uh, when yeah. I heard that interview too. But uh, yeah, this is his his new one featuring uh, Nick Cage as the, the main uh, actor in the movie. And uh, essentially, I, it is about Nick Cage's character, who is just this uh, sort of average, you know, suburban kind of dad uh, who... He's like a teacher or something, but he wanted to be a writer. He wanted to like do this research thing uh, that he had been doing, but he like he had an idea for this book for the longest time, and then like one of his colleagues maybe like stole the idea for it. But he's always like dreamed about doing this, uh, writing this book, but never really really did anything uh, with the idea. But early on in the movie, uh, one of his daughters says that he keeps having dreams about him, where he essentially like his daughter will be like in some sort of a, you know, dangerous situation. And uh, Nick Cage is there uh, as her as her father and just sort of watching and not really doing anything. So he's a very uh, passive uh, character in her dreams. Um, so that's sort of the first person we hear about uh, him appearing in dreams. But then from there, uh, you start to hear the people at the school that he teaches at are starting to dream about him as well. And that other people throughout the state and the country and other people are just starting to have the same sort of dreams. And so he gets a bunch of messages on Facebook and stuff about people that have been seeing him in dreams. Uh, and he sort of wants to use this sort of uh, newfound sort of fame uh, to potentially, you know, work with this uh, advertising company who has reached out to him that has some very uh, absurd ideas about what they want him to uh, to do. And he's like, I just want to write a book. He's like, can you guys help me to like get published and whatnot? So he just tries, tries to use his sort of uh, fame for doing nothing, uh, essentially to uh, get, it, get, get his book uh, published and launched. And then from there, essentially the dreams that people have like through his family and through, you know, any random person that is having dreams about him, the dreams start to change in a sort of scary ways uh, where he does become sort of more of a participant in the dreams. Um, yeah, and sort of uh, things get interesting from there and then it goes into a very uh, a Borgley-esque scenario where there is a big hatred of um, advertising in the movie as well, if that makes any sense. But, yeah, uh, considering drib. Yeah, yeah. considering yeah. drib. <laughs> yeah, that's so <Yeah>. dumb. <laughs> um, so there's a, yeah, that's, there's a lot of interesting stuff in here. I think the dreams are shot like pretty interestingly. Uh, they're, besides him sort of like doing the same thing in the dreams of just like observing uh, people and being sort of a, 
a passive person in the dreams. NPC, uh, dude. NPC. Uh, I thought the dreams were like shot pretty differently uh, and were like very cool and uh, interesting. And uh, yeah, no, I, I really uh, dig this movie, this and Sick of Myself, considering they both came out in the US in the same year, are both, uh, I don't know, they're both up there for me. They're good. So it's like boring Nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> he just shows it's up more, in the street and watches. It's more like, <laughs> yeah, it becomes more social, uh, like a social satire than it does like yeah, a yeah. surreal type of thing or like a horror type of thing. Although the magazine Rue Morgue does make an appearance in the movie. Oh they my do. God. <laughs> I used to read them. They're okay. Uh, <clears throat> I think this is great. Uh, I had a great time with it. I think that... I did expect it to get a little darker and weirder and more uncomfortable than it did. Um, And not to say that it didn't get, you know, dark-ish. And I think that, you know, the the third act there is really sort of um, the negative effects of this fame. And uh, there was definitely a sort of turn in how he was being portrayed in people's dreams. Uh, where there was a transition to where he was he was this um, non-threatening NPC in a dream um, that still was passable as affable to a certain expect, extent until it turned into him being the attacker and the aggressor in the dreams. And then people got frightened by him and it caused his alienation. Um, and to see... Uh, Michael Sarah's character and um, Randy, what's her? Kate Berlant. Kate Berlant. Yeah. yeah, Kate Berlant. Um, sort of be his uh, publicist and PR managers for this firm, uh, basically trying to get in deals. And they're the ones who got him in with Rue Morgue and kind of uh, turned his book that he had been wanting to write um, into this sort of real life boogeyman thing that got popular in France. The fuck does Tim Meadows do? Tim Meadows is great. Tim Meadows plays his um, his boss at the university. Oh, cool. Um, where uh, Nicolas Cage's character is a tenured professor, and Tim Meadows runs that department. And um, Tim Meadows does what Tim Meadows does. Is it ironic that they casted Nicolas Cage? Because it feels like if he's doing a nothing kind of role and like very subdued. Oh, this is not a nothing role. Well, NPC has been used to describe it. Yes, but but again, NPC meaning that doesn't mean that he's not doing a character. That doesn't mean that he's not interesting. Um, He is playing as as Randy put, you know, a very basic, boring, uh, just plug in balding white guy. That's what I mean. Like, is it ironic? Like, oh, Hulk Hogan is the babysitter. Like that kind of like no, it okay, it, it works yeah. because Nicolas Cage is is good at what he does. Hey, Hogan is a good babysitter. I'm too. not saying that he <laughs> was. I'm not. I I, I would have loved. What's the term for that? To it's be like, babysat by. It's Hulk like cross. Like what when you cast somebody out of their role to like like stunt I, casting. I don't know. Is it? It seems right, but I feel yeah. like it's wrong. Stunt, well, okay, that's yeah. a real term. Yeah, and his his character in within the movie is more active than him in the actual dreams in the movie. Yeah. I would say I, I, I it's, get a, that, it's yeah. much more complicated character than what he appears to people in their dreams. It's a great character. And I honestly, um, some of my favorite things in the movie were centered about, you know, him and his wife and their relationship. 
Yeah. Because that's very interesting. Um, he he took her last name uh, when they were married. Mm-hmm. And uh, she, uh, you know, he has a great job. You know, he's a tenured professor at a university. Um, I don't think, I, I if, Randy, if I, I missed where her wealth came into place, but they lived in a beautiful home that she had lived there her, her whole life. And, uh, you know, just, and he sort of, you know, she's she's driving the the train here and um i don't know i think that how their relationship played out and and sort of the the fractured in there and the the ending of the movie is it ends very sweet and mm-hmm. uh, it's still it's still a little um you know it hurts but uh you know they they end towards you know the positive there and i i thought they it and it was foreshadowing, and uh, I don't know. I I I very much liked the ending. And um, they stopped believing in him, and he dies. No, it's just, it's. Uh, I like what they did there because um, they jump into a convertible, and when the top comes down, it's Nicholas's cage's head. Yeah, it's a good ending. Um, but no, it's uh, it's great, and also, you know, I think he 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 knows how to take down you know uh, these giant marketing behemoths and uh you know things like that and and just sort of western culture and and how we sort of um project uh you know all of these social media (laughs) madness and everything is sort of you know summed up um by this performance and uh yeah it's great uh, ten out of twelve. A uh, professor taking on Western culture—it's a little bit too uh, of the moment for me. I'll visit it in a year. No, that's great. I—I uh, I think you'd have fun with it. Right he out of twelve. Become, he sort of becomes more of a victim of it than he does actually like take it on or. Talk well, that about also it. that also yeah. becomes a big part of it, and uh, and how he sort of misplays that as well. So I, yeah. I think it's a, a super super strong script. Um, I like everything about it. Love the way it looks too. I think it's shot in uh, it's Canada somewhere, but I thought it was shot in like the Northeast somewhere because it's like uh, there's a lot of leaves, you know. It's like very like fall colors and stuff, and I think it's shot on sixteen millimeter, so it's got a very like cool, like filmic sort of warm look to it. But yeah, uh, I don't know, ten, ten out of twelve probably as well. Love it. All right, Randy, what else you got? Uh, that's it. I'll maybe hop on something uh, you talk about in a little bit. All right, let's get moving. Let's get moving quick, baby, because Clark saw one, two, three, four, five, six movies last week. I just heard everybody turn off the podcast. Very quickly, I'm going to talk about, but not talk about, a movie called Subject. Uh, filmmakers examine the impact that well-known documentaries and their commercial success have had on the lives of their subjects. They focus on ethics and responsibility inherent in documentary filmmaking. <laughs> Ed stinks. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, basically, what this movie is, is a greatest hits of some of your favorite documentaries that you've ever seen. Uh, do you remember Hoop Dreams? Yeah. You remember the kid? Yep. He's an adult now. You get to see him. Um, do you, you know Michael Peterson from The Staircase? Of course you do. Yep. You get more of him. Uh, you remember the guy from The Square? Uh, yep. You get him. Um, I don't know, man. It's just the best of, uh, and I, the documentary opens up by saying how popular documentaries are now and that we've sort of been in this documentary boom 
And it's just so many clips of documentaries and you just get inundated. And as soon as you see the clip, you want to explore that more. And then you're like, oh, I remember that movie. And then you, you try to go back into the point they're making, which I think they're losing it. And while they're trying to make it at the same time. I don't know. Um, I eventually started doing something else. Well, I just let this play out because I spent $7 on the um, <laughs> rental. Um, I don't know. Was it for me? Uh, I guess. I, and I, I'm not saying that it's bad. It's just uh, I'm just fatigued uh, by documentary. Oh, the Wolfpack kid is in it. Uh, one of the Wolfpack kids and uh, the capturing the Freedman guy. It's uh, yeah, I don't know, man. It's just uh, it's interesting, but I don't know. I think they try to pack too much in there. I don't know if it, it missed loses its message. If it me. missed with you, I don't know who it's going to hit with because you're kind of like the the doc guy. I don't. Well, I'm the doctor. Doc in. Oh. I should uh, clarify <laughs> the docking doctor. <laughs> That's a movie. <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm not even going to rate it. Uh, oh, just, whoa, no, I mean, it's just not, it's not fair. Why? It's just not fair. What? Okay. What are the ethics about rating or not rating? Cause I, 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 I tuned out and it's just like, I don't know, man. Then I think that's the rating. I know this is a heart on letterbox. It's, is what this no, is. it's, that's it's what it two is. stars. I uh, tuned a, out my is, bad. Nope. Nope. I'm not rating it. This is a, I watched it and not two out of five, two out of 12. Uh, also, I uh, very quickly uh, insert in your own mind the crash sound. Here we go. It's a Russell retread. We saw, I saw, you saw, we saw, 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 saw 10. Did it. Um, That's not the proper title. It's Russell, you really liked this. I did. I but, liked it. Yeah. Again, I did preface that as like a it fan of franchise horror. It didn't feel like a song movie. I know. It felt like the oddball. Every franchise has one. Nightmare on Elm Street, it's part two. Friday the 13th, it's part five. There's always one. And they're usually known for their weird uniqueness, and they don't fit in. And I like that one. Uh, he seems very, very, very old to me. You know who seemed older? <laughs> Poor Amanda. She did not even seem like... Oh, my God. It felt like they casted her mom. Yeah, but it's supposed to be in the younger days. Tur Terrell started coining a phrase called Amanda wrinkles when people looked like uh, Meg Foster. Oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, Oh, they got Amanda wrinkles. Oh yeah. Um, I will say traps are pretty good. I do like, I do. I did like some of the traps. How'd you feel about the bait and switch in the beginning? With the, the, the poster trap with the eyeballs. Oh yeah. And it was a daydream. Yeah. That's yeah. fine. I felt that way too. Terrell was very mad, but I'm like, I don't know, dude. I mean, they probably made the poster after because it looked cool in the X or maybe they're like, Hey, let's do that. And we don't actually have to execute it. It's a good poster. Also, it's, a it's fucking, in the movie. It's an easy trap to get out of too. That bitch deserved to have his eyeballs sucked. You remember? Yeah, it was break your yeah. fucking fingers. That's the, that's a fucking, uh, you know, go to go collect $200 card. Like that's an immediate, you don't have to die. Cause you can get them back. Yeah. And that fool was just like, I can't do it. It's like, okay, well then fucking suck your eyeballs out. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want that. <laughs> no, that's, that's way worse. I don't know. It's just, uh, yeah, it, 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 but it hits everything you want. Out of Were it. you rooting for him? Were you like, get these fucking crooked motherfuckers. Oh, like, I, oh, I hated that bitch. Dude. And then he flies back to Mexico and like, did you have tools or like a crew? How did you once? Yeah, once I mean, once I was able to fully commit to 
this ridiculous plot that was laid out in front of us, I was on board for it. Yeah. Because why wouldn't you be on board for it? <laughs> you know, uh, you're getting revenge against a bunch of scammers who's yeah. <laughs> running a fake cancer operation in Mexico. Well, it has that cool one-liner too where it's like, they didn't know who they were scamming. I can't even remember who said it, but it's like, that's John Kramer. It was one of the guys looking it up. It's like, that's fucking John Kramer. I mean, it's a it's a classic formula. <laughs> and it, it like, honestly, they used it in Everybody Loves Raymond. Oh, There's no. an episode in Everybody Loves Raymond where uh, like, Raymond's... That's fucking Raymond. Everybody loves him. Well, where Robert, Raymond's brother, uh, goes to a modeling agency, and then he goes back the next day, and they there. Oh my God! Yeah, is, they, is his name Robert? That's Raymond? also how Sound of Freedom opens up. <laughs> Wait, so it's Robert Raymond and Raymond Raymond? No, Robert, Barone. comma Raymond. Barone is their last name. Oh, Barone. Yeah, okay. would have never on, guessed bro. that. Dude, I thought it was <laughs> one of the best sitcoms of all time. It would have been better if it was Robert Raymond and Raymond Raymond. What? That's why you don't <laughs> write sitcoms, dude. Also, here to say that. Um, the newest iteration of of uh, Frasier is going very well. Um, they've really turned a corner, had a great uh, Christmas episode. So we wish them a lot of luck. Okay. Randy, Andy Daly showed up as a plumber Hell in yeah. uh, one of these last episodes. Tall salads and scrambled eggs. All right. Uh, saw 10. I'll give it uh, 10. Move on. Eight out of 12. Fine. Okay. Uh, holiday horror. You ready for it? Holiday horror. <laughs> yeah, what if- From 2007, a businesswoman is pursued by a psychopath after being locked in a parking garage on Christmas Eve. We're talking about P2, which is better than Randy's beloved T2. Uh, P2's awesome. good. Um, what else do you want? You know, you've got, uh, you got Wes Bentley, who's a handsome guy, but he, he, but also you look at him, you're like, yeah, he could be a little crazy. This could be a crazy guy. Also, Rachel Nichols. I had a crush on Rachel Nichols ever since I saw her in that horrible Dumb and Dumber movie. Um, <laughs> she's uh, she's a pretty girl. I liked her in this. She's good. She should have been in more things. Um, she should be in more things. She's still working. She's not dead, as far as I know. Um, yeah, it's good. You know, you got a gal. She's working too hard in the office and. And, uh, you know, her boss keeps her there on Christmas Eve, and uh, she gets locked in the dadgum garage. And come to find out that the creepy little parking guy has uh, kidnapped her and tied her to a table and dressed up as Santa Claus. And Oh, you're right. It is the parking guy. Yeah. I know a double feature. Mm. Can he pull it? P2. And who's another creepy, like, parking he might not be part he might be a security guard but just what happens in the beginning of human centipede 2 it makes me feel like they're ripe for uh, is he a security is he a parking garage he security is, guard uh, yeah he's, dude he's, there you go he's something like <laughs> they're that. both two p2 centipede human centipede 2 and p2 <laughs> i like that it's for absolutely nobody Hello. i'm glad you know this movie has the rare um it's got a life beyond its opening. I remember when it came out feeling completely underwhelmed by the movie. Like I wanted something that was going to be like a banger and I, I, you watch it and you're like, okay, that was cool. But then like, dude, Evan just watched the movie. Yeah. Shout out to our homie, Evan. Um, He just watched it and was like, dude, P2 fucking rips. And I'm like, yeah, 
I, yeah, I just remember watching it initially and being like, ah, I wanted more. It is kind of a thriller over a like horror or a slasher, but yeah, but I, I will say, you know, it gets a little, uh, it gets a little gore. Yeah, no, it's, it's there's, good. There's guts. There's, uh, there's a, a fella tied up in an office chair that gets rammed by a car, or you know, smacked around. Also, if you're going to get into one of those arguments about like, holiday horror and using it as a backdrop, whether it be like lighting and maniac cop Two, or like an actual, like you're trying to do something with the holiday. What a good premise being trapped at work, like missing the holiday. That is kind of like a nightmare. Yeah. Like, Oh fuck. I want to go on Christmas vacation, but I can't get out of the building. Like that alone is already. Yeah. Fucking terrible. I'm glad you liked it. What would you rate this one? Uh, nine out of 12. Yeah, you liked it more than Saw. Wow, kind of bummed. I Eight you were and like, a half for Saw. I thought you were that? the Saw boy. I am the Saw boy, but it just. Uh... <laughs> I think you got to catch him in the it theater. Was, you know what it was? I think it was too much Tobin Bell for me. It's all Tobin Bell. I know. Yeah, well, I like him where he's at. I need a fucking Donnie Wahlberg. No, I need Wahlberg. a stupid cop. And I didn't have a stupid cop. And if you don't have a stupid cop, you don't have a Saw movie as far as I'm concerned, brother. We had dumb doctors. <laughs> I was dark. I don't It was. Look, it's certainly not the worst Saw no. movie. It's it's not bad. I liked it. Yeah. <laughs> P2 maybe a little better. P2 is good. All right. Um, do we want to cover a brand new movie or do we want to go to a retread again? A Randy retread. Go retread. Okay. <laughs> it's a Randy retread. Uh, also, it should have been a Russell retread. I don't see Russell ever watching this movie, to be honest. Why? I don't know. I see you digging around. You're I watch like, a oh, Should it be worth it? You don't. You I don't watch want, everything. You don't watch good stuff, dude. I watch highbrow. Tubi, you don't fuck with it. If dude. it ain't on Criterion, it ain't a movie. That's what well, I always say. This. I'm going to make that a shirt. Well, I would. I, this is not a Criterion film. It could be. Then what do we even get it off? Because the show? well, because it's an A twenty four film. Oh friend. fuck, dude. Yes, uh, Clarky Boy finally caught up with Darren Aronofsky's film, The Whale from twenty twenty two. The Clarky Boys <laughs> is that a novel? I just said Clarky. I know, but in my head, I was thinking the Clarky boy. Oh, what'd you say? I missed it. I was laughing. A reclusive, morbidly obese English teacher attempts to reconnect with his estranged teenage daughter. Russell, this movie opens up with Brendan Fraser cranking it out, watching gay pornography, and having a heart attack. Okay. (laughs) Now, I have never connected more to a film in my life. Uh Uh-huh. So it started out being the greatest movie of all time. Uh, then his stupid brat daughter comes in and just ruins everything, if I'm honest. I don't know, man. I didn't like her vibe. <laughs> 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 she kind of brought the mood down with the whole like, hey, why did you run off from us when I was eight and you ran off with one of your male students? And now I haven't seen you and now I'm looking at you and you are at 900 pounds and you are dying. Uh, it's gross. <laughs> I'll give it that. Um, you know, I, 
As far as the the fat suit goes, I don't know, Russell. I would be interested to 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 get your perspective on how they did this because he does stand up a few times, and when he stands up on his own, um, they make quite a big deal about it, and they make quite a big deal about it because of uh, you know how it is shot. How it is lit mm-hmm. and the music that is swelling as I he was is standing. Ask. <laughs> and it's um I think if he stood up, I think his legs would snap. But his I th- also think like his body changes shapes oh. uh kind of throughout the movie. Randy, I don't know if you caught that, but I just feel like it looked different the two different times he stood up. And I don't know. I, I the whole movie takes place in the in this house, and he is now an online professor. He is dying. He uh, he tells his students in the class that his camera is broken. Um, but that is <laughs> that is revealed in the third act. He's catfishing them? I mean, I don't. This movie's crazy, and it's not great. There's a lot of not good stuff here. There is some good stuff here. Um, I don't understand the the fake Jehovah's Witness character. I don't understand what that was about. That stunk. Uh, the daughter, there just wasn't, it was just one note. And, um, I mean, it's fine. <laughs> you know, it's, I don't know. It just, it felt underdeveloped. Um, the nurse character, that was great. Um, those two were fantastic. Randy, what's her name? Hong Chow. She was oh, in she, the menu as well. Yeah, she's fantastic. Uh, she's great. And uh, the pizza guy, he's great. You, we don't ever see. We see him once, I think. Dan the pizza guy. Dan the pizza man. Um, he kind of uh, he yells through the door to make sure uh, that Brendan Fraser's character is okay. Um, Brendan Fraser does a great job here. And I, I am glad that he was able to to collect a gold plated award uh, as an accomplishment for his performance in this film. Um, Is he catfishing on IMDb? What do you mean? He doesn't look like that anymore. Yeah, I mean that. I don't. I mean that's very. I mean maybe I don't know. That's a good looking picture. He don't look like that anymore. I don't know. I mean, he certainly doesn't look like what he looks like <laughs> in the uh, in the whale. But do you remember that other movie yeah. you made me watch, where we discovered that oh, he yeah. had returned? Well, that was that was another fat Brendan Fraser. I mean, you know, he's been a little tough. You know, he's a little tough man. The fuck was that movie called? Oh, it was bad. Um, what else do I want to say about this? Yes, Russell, there is a uh, if 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 there's any reason for you to watch this movie, it's to watch the eating montages that he goes on now. Oh, my I, I I will say that, you know, I where I this movie succeeded the most in making me feel not good. Um that worked. Um the poison rose. Is, yeah, that is was the, the one. Yeah. <laughs> um but back to back to the whale. I think that it made me feel like, like it was we we're on a ticking time bomb. Like I, you were, we are looking at a dead man for this whole movie because the movie opens up with him having a heart attack and him refusing to go to the hospital. Yeah, and uh, 
the nurse is like, your blood pressure is out of this world right now. She's like, you may not live till tomorrow. Mm -hmm. So every day is a ticking time, Bob. And he's slowly sort of checking things off his list one by one. And um, some of those are uh, like <laughs> what he does with his class. That was pretty fun. Um, but there was, but anytime he would get upset, he would go on these insane binge eating okay. yeah. uh, montages that were scored like he was pillaging a village in the 1800s. <laughs> I mean, heavy, heavy string music. It was dark. Heavy, and heavy, it's like, <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> it's just like, hey, you're supposed to feel bad right now. Yeah. And I mean, he was putting it down. Peanut butter and jelly on the pizza. Double, triple fold in the pizza. It was it was quite um it was quite impressive. Ridiculous. The, uh, Did it ring true at all? I I or Yeah, it, like, it felt it yes, it okay. felt like this is uh this is tough. This is tough. And it also felt natural. It's like this guy knows exactly what he's doing. This is what he does with his feelings. And um there is no hesitation. And what is happening right now? Um, and of course, it, it ended in a puking session. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I mean, he's the best part of the movie. He is the movie. Um, but I, as far as everything else, it's just uh, the, the script was just not uh, in the ending. My God, I did not care for that ending. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, uh, it's tough. Seven and a half out of twelve. Oh, okay. Hell yeah. I have spoken. Okay. All right. And then lastly. Well, before you move on, I just have to point out that I've been doing a lot of thumbnail work for people. And I watched a couple people do tutorials on Mr. Beast and how the uncanny valley of his thumbnails. I'm sure you've seen it. You know, his like like his perfect smile. And then you like look at it and you're like, it's so airbrushed and weird looking and so not normal looking yeah. that people have theories that it actually is an effective thumbnail because it looks so alien, but it's very uncanny valley. And looking at the poster, I'm like, I feel like they use the Mr. Beast airbrush technique because the thing that really makes Mr. Beast stand out from everybody else is his ugly beard before, you know, it was kind of like scraggly. Yeah. They would, they would leave it that way. So that it kind of did like a Wolverine hair, but on his chin. And it's gone now. Like, if you look at his new ones, it's not there. But like on fucking Brendan Fraser, he's got like the, the like, you know, 14 year old mustache thing going. Yeah. Or like an unfortunate lady stash. And it's like you left that, but everything else is so heavily contrast with like all the light. Like, it's very, uh, somebody really went to town on that poster. Also, uh, they went to town on the script with uh, the Moby Dick references. Oh no! I mean, that's it's the whole movie. Of yeah. So does it not, man? Darren is a director that I like, but then you know I pulled him up on IMDb and I'm like, I look at him like it's kind of he's got a, like a little bit of a Wes Craven thing going. There's hit and miss. I, I love it. There's and then, hit, yeah, because yeah. I was thinking about it too. There's hit and miss with me. Um, Mother, I really enjoyed. I I. I appreciated Mother, and I, I, it worked for me. Mother's, you know, I liked it, but it's kind of a meh for me. Not like rewatching it just doesn't seem like a fun. 
Uh, you know, in 2017, I'd go back and rewatch that. But to each their own, as I really liked Noah. I thought that was a yeah. fantasy movie pretty much. And I have it on Steelbook. I liked it. See, and I think that the problem was, you know, going back to back from The Wrestler and Black Swan. Yeah, it's hard. You and know. then you're, we're even leaving out Requiem for a Dream, but who cares? Or Pie, take it or leave it. And then you move on. Randy, and, you a Pie guy? Of course he's a Pie guy. I think I've only ever seen it once. No, I was talking about the equation. He can do it. 3.14 something. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, and now. For something completely different. Thank you so much. Uh, Randy may jump on here at the end. Um, I got a few things to say here. Uh, this is a Netflix film uh, that came out on December 8th from director Sam Esmail. A family's getaway to a luxurious rental home takes an ominous turn when a cyber attack knocks out their devices and two strangers appear at their door. This is a two-hour and 18-minute movie that uh, ate up a Friday night, and uh, I got no complaints here. Um, I'm glad you watched it. I, Terrell's been talking about it. I'm like, oh, I hope one of y'all watched it so I can hear about it. Uh, I mean, this is uh, this is a solid sort of um, interesting take on a disaster movie, um, and it is a sort of global blackout disaster movie. Uh, Mahershala Ali is, uh, you know, man, put him in anything. He's going to be good. I mean, the guy, you know, he's just charismatic. He's charming. He he he, it's, he checks all the boxes. Put him in anything, he's going to be good. And same thing for Ethan Hawke, all right? Also great. Julia Roberts, she's fine. I got, I like Julia Roberts, and I think she was pretty good at this. Um, Mahalia, Mahala, I, I don't, I... <laughs> I see her in a lot of stuff. I ain't no Mahala back girl. <laughs> I don't know, man. I just. Uh, Who are you talking about? Have you not seen this lady? She's everywhere now. Uh, Ruth Scott in this movie? Yeah. No, I haven't. Let me well, she was up. in the uh, aforementioned Dumb Money uh, oh, from my God. review last week. Uh, she's also in an HBO show I watch called Industry. Um, she was in Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. And I think that's the only thing you've seen. Black Mirror. I haven't, I haven't seen oh, she was in Black Mirror. Yeah. yeah. I remember. Okay. Thank you so much. Uh, she plays Mahershala Ali's daughter in this. Now, here's what happens, boys and girls. Uh, Julia Roberts, Ethan Hawke, you know, they, you know they're, they're a nice couple in New York. They got a lot of money. Uh, Julia Roberts is like, hey, we're going away for the weekend. Ethan Hawke's like, we're going away today? Okay, well, let's go. And so they go to this oh, house. Jerry Seinfeld in there. <laughs> let's go to this house uh, outside of the city. It's very important. They get there. It's this beautiful, you know, modern home. They're there. And in the middle of the night, they get a knock on the door. And it's Mahershala Ali and Mahalia. And they're in formal wear. And it's the middle of the night. And they're like, uh, this is our house, and we're coming back here to stay. Oh. Uh, because there's no phone service, and that is when the grid starts to, you know, fall down. Uh, now, prior to this, the, the Ethan Hawke and Julia Roberts family were on the beach, and a dadgum oil tanker <laughs> crept up all the way to the beach. And they're like, oh, what's going on? And uh, everybody <laughs> was like, when they evacuated the beach, they're like, oh, don't worry, there's a, there's a software issue. Uh, everything is fine. And then Mahershala Ali leaves the house. He tries to find something. And he sees a dadgum airplane in the ocean. 
and uh, sees dead bodies everywhere. Knock, knock. Thank you so much. Knock uh, at the cabin. What? This yes. has real yeah. M. Night vibes for sure. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, no. But good or bad? And then... <laughs> worse than then, Knock at the Cabin, in oh, my opinion. <laughs> and then Ethan Hawke is driving down the road, and you see a it is a tornado of flyers, like paper flyers <laughs> that have come. And it was drones that dropped paraphernalia that was written in Arabic that said, Death to America. Oh, okay. And then as we, and then. Sounded like the Bay Area. I don't know. (laughs) New York just wasn't ready. So, you know, and they've got, they've got no cell service that nothing's going on. They're occasionally getting some radio feedback of saying that there's been a major cyber attack. Um, There's an interesting scene uh, involving a giant uh, pileup of Teslas uh, that were on autopilot. Yeah. Yeah. Elon responded to that, by the way. TMZ has an article out. Dale. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was pretty funny. Um, and uh, a lot of a lot of deer that were just standing uh, and staring. Oh. Uh, because uh, the animals know. Because um, Gaia's going to kill us, right? Mother Gaia. What was that movie called? Mother Gaia. This is it to be. The Happening. The Happening. Oh, The Happening. Yeah. The trees. I had a very rough uh, dude that I worked with at TGI Friday who looked like he had just survived a gang fight every day that he came to work. And I remember he watched that movie. He was like, the happening was not happening. Okay. <laughs> he was a scary dude. RIP. Um, I didn't hate this. What I, I, I will say that um, it's a... I appreciate sort of the very contemporary score uh, and contemporary uh, Russell uh, to to reuse a phrase that you have grasped onto. Uh, Hip hop needle drops. Oh, dude, um, fuck yeah, are more pervasive in this. Um, Wait, hip hop needle drop. Oh my god, yeah, that's my father. <laughs> On no pummel. <laughs> Why do you cut it off when it gets to the point? I don't feel like it's going to where too it long. makes it. So- <laughs> <laughs> you should cut it to where it just says lemonade in my iced tea. You, you go to the oh my god. I, 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 <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully there will be another opportunity for a hip hop needle drop. Um, and then you know, there's some there's some stuff in the third act with some further <laughs> character development stuff where Kevin Bacon shows up. We see Kevin Bacon at the very beginning, but we don't get Kevin Bacon until the very end. Boo. Kevin Bacon plays a prepper who lives in a beautiful mansion. <laughs> <laughs> um, beautiful home. Uh, but he's a doomsday prepper, and he kind of tells everything. And then come to find out Mahersha Ali, uh, you know, deals in some shady parts uh, in the government and in sort of military financing and things like that and telling very rich people what to do with their money and what to back, and so he kind of saw this coming, but didn't really know exactly what was going to come, Mm -hmm. Um, and then so everything kind of falls together into pieces there in the third act, because uh, this is a movie that dropped on Netflix, and uh, we have to hold your hand. So, um, it's fine. Uh, Like I said, it it ate up a Friday night, I got no complaints here, and I was never bored with it, and uh, because of that, I will give it 8 out of 12 stars. (laughs) <laughs> Randy 
I don't know. Everyone is very good in it. I really like Mahershala Ali and uh, Ethan Hawke. Uh, some of the, you know, apocalyptic stuff was very CG heavy and it did remind me of, uh, you know, The Happening or, you know, other other M. Night uh, type of stuff. And I could have been more okay with the movie if I felt like it went somewhere. I did not feel like the ending did anything for me. And also, I can spoil it for some people, sort of, but this is a movie that hinges on you giving a shit about the show Friends. I, you know, I heard that and I'll, uh, yeah, I agree. But so what I had heard from Terrell was that it was a long doomsday movie. He was also shocked by the runtime. He's like, oh no, it's two and a half hours. But his takeaway was that it was a love letter to physical media because the way that, yeah. What else also bugs me about that? Netflix literally just got rid of the DVDs. I yeah, but did they actually produce this movie or do they do acquisition? I believe it's a Netflix produced movie. Yeah. Oh, so fucking weird. That's a. I'm glad you pointed that out because I That's hadn't so thought about yeah. it. And it's almost so. I guess maybe they were signaling their own doom. <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's like hey, when uh, we do get attacked by China, uh, hope you're not relying on us for entertainment. Um. But yeah, I'll leave it at that. Terrell's going to cover it this Tuesday, so tune in Thursday to hear it. I don't know. I kind I, I didn't hate the ending um, because it kind of set up of like a self-fulfilling prophecy to a certain extent. Okay. Um, Hearing it secondhand, I thought they were just making a commentary about America just being like food and circus kind of thing. Like the only thing that we're we really prioritize is just being entertained. Well, Are you they kind of entertained. <laughs> Thank you so much, Randy. How many stars? Five out of twelve. Ooh, Randy did not care. Uh, you for couldn't tell. It. You couldn't. <laughs> I love it. What are you going to give it? I gave it eight out of twelve. Oh, okay. Damn. It just. Fairly generous, but again, you know, nothing. Uh, <laughs> you liked it as much as Saw, dude. Too much Tobin Taco Bell. No, Tobin, not enough. Hey, we're not going to have him for a long time. I needed a Wahlberg. And guess what? Tobin wasn't on fucking Friends, dude. Yeah, the friend stuff. The friend stuff was annoying, but she was a child. She didn't know any better. Well, you also. <laughs> sorry, I'm about to die. <laughs> By Chandler? <clears throat> yeah, I should have never gotten that jacuzzi. Um, no, Friends, actually, there was a phenomenon that I've read an article about where, like, young kids are rediscovering and watching the whole thing. And I think that's literally what they're tapping into is just that. Like, literally. Right? She's like a young girl. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, there's some good stuff here. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Do they talk about him dying? No. Oh, in, th- th- in that reality, he's I think in that reality, he's so alive. <laughs> Boo! It would really be the apocalypse if he had died. All right, big dog. Oh, that—that that was it. Yep. Was that really all your movies? One, two, oh yeah, yeah. I would have gotten sh- through it quicker, but y'all stretched that shit out. Yeah, it was fun. Um, yeah. Right, you uh, Randy and you shared a couple movies. That's what it was. Yeah. I, on the other hand, uh, I only have two this week, and we had talked to Doug already, Doug Ruse, but I didn't really talk about Bakimono. And 
kimono. I know it's kind of tough that, you know, we got a screener to a movie playing at a film fest that was the world premiere. So, we, believe it or not, we do think, what is the best thing to cover on here and what can y'all do with it? Well, I do believe, actually, I know for a fact, I'm, I'm just stalling while I look it up, but I believe Doug Roos has a Kickstarter active right now for um, Bakimono, which is spelled Bake Mono. And if you purchase it through the Kickstarter, there should be an extended cut of the film where he put in more nudity and gore, which is pretty much all we watch these movies for, let's be honest. Yep, it's available. And if you just look up, I put in Doug Ruse, R-O-O-S. Can you get rid of that pop-up so I can say that picture? Oh, it's asking to use personal data. That's why I'm like, oh, okay. Do not sell my information. Uh, what can we use data for? Sale of personal information. Are you trying to trick me? I just Essential purposes. No. Yeah. Oh, I can't click that. Oh. Dude, stop. Okay, fine. Clark needed to Randy Russell's getting viruses yeah. on his computer. You know, it'd be fine. And I would be like, if you want to sell my data, that's cool. Can you kick me back something? Hey. I know y'all make a ton of money. Let me wear my big a little. Yeah, give me, give me a little pinch, you know? Just give me a little bit. Holy little. shit, there are some big fucking rewards on here. Queen and Warrior. Co-producers and shit. Yeah, um, but yeah, you can get the Blu-ray on here. So I highly recommend y'all do that. And um, Bakimono, um, to keep it quick. So it's, what's Doug's deal? Is he like a... Um, is, are you trying to pull a name right now? No. Is is he a effects guy? No. And somebody asked him about it. Uh, after the movie was done, uh, they asked him about the application. Because if you look up anything with Bakimono, you'll notice the monster immediately. It's actually what Bakimono means, like creature. And uh, it's very the thing. Like very heavily... Um, it's like human like form, replicates. but there's tendrils. Everything's practical. And somebody asked him like, hey, how did you execute that? And how big of a team? And he was like, well, just me. In fact, it was, it was just him so much that half the time he was in it. Like he wore it. Sometimes when he wasn't in it, it was his wife who uh, flew out with him. And she was a very tiny, very shy uh, Japanese girl. She was so lovely. And uh, I bet you terrified her. Well, it was, I, uh, <laughs> maybe my sense of humor did. No, but I'm, I'm overly polite and loving. The Japanese love me. That's why, uh, we'll put that this, <laughs> why are we bigger in Japan? I know, dude. Well, we don't market out there. We gotta, we gotta pay. We um, should be Alcatraz big. Oh, God. Every band is big. Didn't you watch, um, Full House? Jesse's band right. was huge out there. Tom White's is big in Japan. Um, yeah, so somebody asked about, like, the technique he used, and they're like, are you sure you're not a special effects dude? Because that's not only, like, an interesting application, but it sounds hard, and it looked good. And he was like, well, I just kind of wear all the hats. Literally, Doug wrote, directed, edited, uh, composed, did the special effects, did the casting. Uh, he, I don't think he actually acts in the movie outside of being in the costume, but when we were talking to him over Zencaster, I couldn't help but notice that the the apartment. So this takes place in an Airbnb, and it's kind of a um, anthology film about the horrible things that happen to people in here. Yet the film is lit very dark, kind of like a uh, like a Lynch film, for lack of a better term. It's almost like noir, but it's Put not. Put it down in a jar, please. Yeah, I know. He left, it was so I couldn't give him a dollar. Um, and it's it's very moody. It's very uh, 
It gets a little violent. And there's a lot going on. And the way I described it to Doug was it felt like an unearthed movie. And I'm like, I don't mean that as an insult. Uh, I mean in the, the way of a compliment. It's a foreign film that I think an American audience would look at and be like, oh, this is all shock value. You're only going to watch it for the monster. Yet, there's a lot going on. And there's a lot that Doug particularly didn't address in any way. And one thing, when you watch it, it's a Japanese horror film that has a heavily diverse cast. There's a couple of white people in here. There's a Mexican lady. There's a black dude, which when I was watching this with Terrell, he literally cheered. He was like, what? There's a black guy in here? And I was like, hey, I'm as shocked as you are. But, it, you know, it, you could feel that something different's going on. And, well, it's because uh, Doug's from Michigan. He's born out here in America, flew to Japan. Actually, he went to China for a while, then to Japan. He's now a uh, complete trader. He's a full resident in Japan, which is hard to do. You, you, you know, you think immigration's tough here to do legally. Try and do it in fucking Japan. Well, he did, and um, he made kind of a movie that's a, uh, he would say it's about the dark side of Tokyo, as he is living in Tokyo. Mm -hmm. And um, there's just a lot here that you don't normally see in Japanese horror. Um, so yeah, when we were talking to him Zencaster, I began to notice that much like The Wire, in this movie, the Airbnb, which feels kind of like an apartment, hotel, is the main character. And in his room... There's a wall that is, it looks like it's made out of cement and it's, um, there's like grid, like it's square. It looks very like brutalist, uh, architecture. Okay. And there's these metal hooks in the wall that almost feel like they're fucking Clive Barkian. Has anybody ever said that? Probably not. But that's why you tune into this that's show. Right. <laughs> it's, it felt like very Cenobite. And when we were talking to him, I could see it behind him. And I'm like, what the fuck, dude? Like, where did you film that? He's like, oh, in my apartment. So the whole, like, everything is dug here. Also, some guerrilla camera work. They're outside, and I'm like, I don't know. I, I just don't get the vibe that you got permits in Japan to shoot on the street. And he's like, no, we didn't. He's a gorilla from Michigan, dude. Also, that sounds kind of scary to try and get permits in, like, another country to do. It sounds tight. Yeah, no, the movie's cool. It's, um, it's uh, a downbeat pace, but there's always shit going on. And you might end up playing a little bit of a game of who's the protagonist here as we're doing like a non-linear thing that's not really, um, it's not clear at first, unless you're fucking Dan. Now, if you're a longtime listener of this show, you know Dan the Math Mage who writes for The Overlook. He fucking doesn't miss a beat on this shit. If you've ever seen Moosehead Over the Mantle, that is a complicated story to navigate if you're trying to follow the chronological history of this family. Not for him. He gets it. So in this movie, he actually asked a question at the end where he's like, I figured out the timeline except for one. And he was like, there's a dude that hung himself. I don't know when that happened. And Doug was like, interesting. There's a reason. And they had a conversation in a room full of people that nobody understood but them. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, like, Dan. It was so... Way to read the room, buddy. Yeah. No, I mean, it's perfect. Uh, in those situations, I'll be very clear. I'm there to please the guest. Sure. I don't care about the audience. And also in San Francisco, you know better than anybody, Clark. Yeah. The questions can be the fucking downfall that's of why, everything. That's why, you know, the 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 pit <laughs> that my stomach reaches when I have to say the words, are there any questions? Yeah. I hey, uh then you turn into a bit. 
Hole in the Head Saturday, it was good. No bad questions out there. Um, yeah, but this movie's a lot of fun. And much like my intro for the film, I don't really want to say a lot about it because you really just got to well, roll don't. into it. All right. Well, yeah. Just tell me out of 12. Oh, easy. Uh, you might, you know, you might think later uh, tonight on Letterboxd or Tuesday when this launches and you see my uh, review which will be five stars because they're not up to date with 12. Yeah, we're you trying. May, you may in the back of your mind think, is he just countering uh, Bay Area critic David Robson? And the answer would be yeah. But I do. I love the movie, but it's very easily 12 stars. If only to spite the first person, my guest to the film and his review. I just got to counter it out. Okay, that's it. That's all I got to do. Yeah. So it's a five star movie. Check it out and get the fucking Blu-ray. Uh oh. Also, Randy, I know you, you've been running point on this as a uh, representative for the Overlook Hour in this pursuit, uh, but how are things going with the letterboxed uh, people trying to get them to um, change their rating system from 5 to 12? Do you, any updates on that? Uh, they still haven't responded to our emails. Yeah, fuck them. All right, well, Randy, you got to be hornier in your emails. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how, dude. Oh my show God. a little, show a little leg in the emails. You all right? know, when I you got email- shorts on right now. <laughs> oh, dude! Whoa, he, he definitely does. That completely caught me oh, off. Oh, that is the only time <laughs> I have regretted not having video on the show. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, I. You know, I was still shocked that your legs were kind of hairy. God, I haven't seen your legs in a long time. That was a welcome <laughs> sight, brother. Oh. Okay. Uh, yeah, Buck, you. I don't know what I was gonna say, but my my brain has been erased. Damn. I got one more movie. What you got? Uh, oh, I almost watched this. You should have watched What a Wonderful Knife. I almost brought that up. Oh, that's I, right. I still have my Shutter subscription. Okay. Oh, I said it. Randy, edit that out where I yeah. said the network. That I, I, I still Wait. have Madeline's Shutter subscription. Oh, cool, humble brag, dude. <laughs> She's not going to listen to this. No more plugs <laughs> for the scumbag of the network. <laughs> Oh, we're going to have to send their money back because they just pay it. They're a sponsor, dude. Fuck. All right. I'm interested to see how what you thought of this movie because I'll tell you my brief journey with this. I was looking for something to watch on Friday before I landed on the Netflix movie that we just talked about. Uh-huh. Uh, but I went on iTunes because I do that on every Friday because uh, <laughs> I know how to live my life like a fucking cool guy. And I saw this movie and uh i saw that it was uh played at fantastic fest i was like okay fantastic fest mm-hmm. martin star color me interested i watched the trailer and said no thank you and then pers- uh continued my pursuit uh, to find something to watch so tell me did i make the right or wrong call well the movie of course that clark is talking about is there's something in the barn it's an hour and 40 and uh i can tell you right now uh, you wouldn't have made it. Oh. It's rough. You know what? It's, <laughs> it's not rough. That's the problem. It's just fucking boring. Damn. There was a movie that I covered. I don't remember when. Uh, probably a couple months ago called Unwelcome. It yeah. featured a family from, I think they're from New York. Uh, dude gets beat up at a liquor store. Uh, then it turns into a home invasion. His pregnant wife gets locked in the bathroom and they say, fuck it, we're moving to Ireland. And then they run into red caps because they don't obey uh, the locals. But the locals are actually polite. And there's a tavern scene. I I love that movie. The red caps look fucking cool. The mythology was rad. I love that they didn't do the American trope of like, 
oh, the country people are inbred. They're going to eat you. What is Red Cap? Is that a hacker? It's a type of goblin. Uh, if you played the Gnome. first Final Fantasy, you would know the Red Caps were like the first monster you fought. Okay. But it, you know, it everything works, and um, the goblins were fucking cool. I I love goblins; they may be my favorite of the uh, medieval monster roster in D and D. Top ten band for you. I do love the band Goblin. Um, and then in this movie, there's, there's something in the barn. Let's go ahead and uh, what, IMDb. What do you have to say about this? An American family fulfills their dream of moving back after inheriting a remote cabin in the mountains of Norway. I read that earlier and I went, is something wrong with that sentence? Yeah. It fulfilled their dreams of moving mm-hmm. back. Like, it's just wrong. If you go to Letterboxd, again, I know, Letterboxd, you got to fucking answer us, dude. Well, well yeah. that sentence implies that they have Norwegian descent. Yeah. And... It's just, it's not a good tease. I do like a short tease from uh, from IMDb, but... Ooh, short tease. Uh, Randy gave us a short tease earlier. <laughs> oh, he did, yeah, he did. On IMDb, if I could fucking open... An American family fulfills their dream of moving back to their roots after inheriting a remote cabin in the mountains of Norway. Questlove. But there's a surprise okay. waiting for them. Good job, Letterboxd. You, uh, you, you destroyed IMDb. Here's the thing. This movie's like unwelcome, but just bad in every regard. There's literally scenes that are almost completely parallel. Like the one where the family walks into the local tavern and then they're kind of like, oh, but it's like, oh, no, we're friendly. Same fucking moment. Just not as good in this movie. Also, the whole setup of like dad got jumped at the liquor store. We don't do any of that. And I think they all the movie kind of felt like Martin Starr will carry this. Uh, Spoiler alert. The character is fucking unlikable. So what do you want him to do? Yeah. He's like a fucking. Um, I'm sorry. I don't. I I know our audience. I, your ears tend to bleed when you say things like this. But he's a fucking cook. He he's he's like a what feels like a, a mail order Russian bride, and she's like pretty, but you you already don't like her because it's like what are you doing with him? He looks like a disheveled like you know freaking geek kind of guy. He's likable. In other products, but here he's he's like kind of void of a personality. He's kind of doing that like, oh, the kids like me because I'm a pushover. It's like, okay, that's not really commendable. He's not doing his uh, Silicon Valley character. No, which I don't know, but I will, uh, I assume people like. He's like alpha nerd. Yeah, he's not really that either. Yeah. It's not clear why he has money. They may have talked about it, but I, I missed it. And then the kids, it almost feels like the movie's doing a tug of war for who this should be about. And the the main son, there's a son and a daughter. The boy, it feels like there almost wants to be an Amblin movie in here mm. about him hanging out with a uh, little man in the barn. In a bicycle. And I say the little man. Now, he's not riding over the moon and they're not touching fingers. <laughs> this, this guy looks like a mini Santa. Okay. But it's like, okay, are you a dwarf? Are you an elf? Terrell kept calling him an elf. And it was almost like my DNA was like shouting at me, like correct him. And I'm like, but I think he's right. Mm. Except I've never seen an elf depicted that way. And he looks like a dwarf, but he also, he looks, he's got a red cap on. Yeah. So I'm like, are you trying to do the red cap thing? Cause, and. Oh, so he's a MAGA guy. Like, look, yeah, <laughs> he's definitely a proud boy. And uh, he, it's like, look at that poster. That poster screams Chucky. And that's, that's a good kind poster. Of, that's kind of what you want. And it sparked a conversation. This movie's kind of like gremlins, but like no fun. And 
it's God, it's so long. And for the first hour, nothing happens. And the first um, genre on IMDb is comedy. It's like, well, where are the jokes? There's a hoot. It felt like fucking Kill Tony. It's like, where are the jokes? There are no punchlines. There's nothing here. And then the movie goes on and you're like, I guess I was supposed to care about these people. But this, like, I, dude, it turns into like a home invasion with like the dwarves or the gnomes or the elves or whatever they are. Jan 6. It's boring. They, But here's the thing. Everything looked cool. The set design was really good. Yeah. They, like, despite the, like, I don't know. It's not the aesthetic I like. But they look good. They had accessories. They all looked different. They, they had their own little story to tell. But you get almost no time with them. And you don't care about the main one. And everything just feels like it felt AI written. There's no life yeah. in this movie. And I, I Is mean, it a holiday movie? It's snowy. Uh, yeah, it is holiday. Because they throw a holiday party in the barn. But dude, it's fucking. I let me see. I wrote some notes down. I think I covered everything though. Red cap. Oh, um, it did spark a conversation. I was very quick to rate this one because I wanted to get that two star out of me. Yeah, two out of. I'd probably do two out of twelve. Two out of twelve. So, so I did my thing wrong. Two out of twelve. No, because it wouldn't be a one. That's crazy. I'd have to defend that. And I didn't, you know what? I do kind of hate this movie. It should have been a one. I fucked oh up. I gave it, I gave it one too many stars on Letterboxd. I was thinking 12 star and I, and I went on the five star and I gave Jeez. it a two. So you lucked out. <laughs> Whoever's something in the barn, y'all lucked out that I might convert. Randy wasn't there to convert it for me. And I fucked up and you ended up with a higher score than you deserve. The thing is, you just need to tattoo that <laughs> chart, the chart, and memento yourself. Oh God! And then the um, the parallel chart that has the breakdown of every other rating system. That's on the other arm. Yeah, I should just fucking go like pecs or something. Oh no, I already got tattoos. Anyway, um, this movie, I was like, Terrell, what do you call these? Like critters or uh, gremlins or uh, like un unwelcome? Like where there's a bunch of little. Like tremors, like he was like, I don't know, mini creature feature. <laughs> I'm like, okay, there it is. It's coined mini creature feature. Um, yeah, it's fucking sucks. I hated it. All right, two out of twelve. So I don't know. Maybe you should have rented it. Mama mia. Oh yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm happy with my choice. Wait, so then if you give a one star in twelve, that would convert. Well, one. No, I'm doing it wrong. I'm don't thinking like math. Randy. No, I I'm, and our listeners' brains will begin to bleed. <laughs> no, no, it's. You have to take into consideration that the 12-star system is the dominant one. So we never work backwards and try to make things work on a 5-star. You always have to make the 5-star work on a 12. So, yeah, I stand by that. It should be... Well, then, fuck. Should it have been a 1-star on a 12? Where else are you going to listen <laughs> to things like this on the Overlook Hour? Oh, fuck. All right. Uh, well, we knocked out a quick one because, uh, we're about to give you our Thursday episode in 15 minutes. Oh yeah. Uh, talking to our guest, um, who will join us here shortly. And, uh, yeah. So we're going to take a quick break and then, uh, we'll say goodbye to you for a Tuesday and then we'll say hello to you very soon on a Thursday. Could that, could that, <laughs> is that a little bit more creepy? Maybe. I don't know. Still pretty creepy. Randy, in your COVID haze, uh, sign off our listeners. Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, if anyone else is in the same boat as me and never had COVID until now, uh, just let you know, it's, it's still not fun. Uh, even though I, <laughs> I, I still have my taste and my smell, but I'm, uh, very tired and feverish most of the day. So if you can avoid it, you know, eh, 
avoid it if you can. But if not, we'll see you next week. I really thought Randy was going to be like, hey, if you haven't had COVID like me until now, go ahead and leave a comment. Like and subscribe. <laughs> it's just that's how much YouTube I've been doing. That would have been good. Have people be like, dude, me too. I never had COVID You can't now. find us on YouTube because we'll get flagged for bullying. You yep. know, we are, putting up, we are putting up uh, interviews now. So I think the last one I put up was Ricky Umberger. All right. Well, now, goodbye. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Overlook Hour. And if you would like to hear more, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever your podcatcher of choice is. And while you're there, go ahead and give us a rating and or a review, which is a very easy way for you to support this show uh, that we bring to you every week for years now, free of charge. And as always, you can find us on YouTube at The Overlook Theater, Instagram at The Overlook Theater, Facebook at The Overlook Hour, and Twitter at The Overlook Hour. Last but not least, you can send us your emails and tell us how much you like or dislike the show at overlookhour at gmail.com. And if you're nice, maybe we'll uh, read them on the show. I've been your engineer, Randy Statt. Please join me along with Clark, Russell, and Oksana again next time. Bye. <laughs>